today on Cross Radio. At the heart of God's special supernatural revelation is the apostolic duty to instruct the future believers after Peter and the apostles to stand on the sacred writ and nothing else. This is the stability of the ecclesia, Christ himself as revealed in and through the inspired word of God. This is part one of our message entitled, The Indestructible Church. In this message, Twister will share to us the church that survives everything from simply answering the question, What makes Christianity Christianity? Through the lens of the wishy-washy disciple named Peter, who was mightily used by God as foundational in the building of Christ's own church, we'll see and fix our focus on the promise of Jesus, that He is the one who will build His church. So sit back and once again listen to Cross Radio's episode entitled, The Indestructible Church, The Organism That Survives Everything. Hey, hey, Twister Hover here, and I'm so excited to share to you stories, anecdotes, and truths from the sacred writ that intertwine with our daily realities. This is Cross Radio, and welcome to the podcast that's all about the Christocentric word to the Christo-needing world. Last April 22, 2020, I wrote an article entitled, The Indestructible Church. And today, this will be our devotional for us to listen and to answer the question, what it really means for the church to survive. This is the indestructible church, the organism that survives everything. As the COVID-19 global pandemic is presently ravaging islands, economies, governments, and companies. One question looms in the hearts and heads of the people. When will this end? A recent report shows that in the Philippines alone, several thousands of small and big businesses closed down due to the lockdown protocols caused by the lethal effect of the pandemic. Several thousands more laborers are either on hold or are losing jobs as effect. Somehow many are projecting that this might cause the unthinkable and the horrifying in line with George Bernard Shaw's playful rendition of a biblical verse as all resources are slowly and significantly depleting. He said that it's not the love of it, but that, quote, the lack of money is the root of all evil, end quote. A community panic might cause a hazardous pandemonium, and humanity's hate might prove to be a deadlier enemy than any virus. We are afraid of what will transpire within our societies. In all these, we ask a crucial question, where is the church? How is it faring through the wave after wave of this deathly ocean of chaos? The question goes beyond relevance, something that the postmodernist church has always boggled herself to answer. The point is its vitality. How long will the church live? If the church is truly alive, it will be so because it is healthy. And as it is healthy, it will be relevant. The question of relevance is proven to be a secondary question. If the major and primary thing is clarified, relevance simply follows. Although we are not blind to culture, we do not chase after it. We pursue first what matters most, a life majoring on majors. The church is both an organism, life and life giver, and an organization with its systems, dynamics, and culture. Thus, 
Life in both personal and corporate level has to thrive. In this reality, we will answer the most basic yet the most essential of questions. We will do what the churches has been doing all throughout its history. We will fill ourselves with what is of primary importance and so we will not sound like clanging noise in times of pandemonium. As empty cans, they say, rattles loudly. We will be still because we know our God. We will calmly do everything to fill our lives with what is of eternal importance. The most essential among all essentials. You know what questions matter? We should ask the right questions to get to the answers that matters most. And the query that kept on bouncing back over and over again is the big question of where the church stands or where its stability lies. Now we are seeing that although the bigger buildings, advanced resources, the heavily guarded treasuries, the sophisticated programs were a big help in its progressive movement, all of these to cater to what's relevant, it is actually proven that it's not the essential part of what makes the church the church. But what is? What makes Christianity Christianity? When all things are stripped away from the Christian church, what is the one thing that if it's the only thing that remains, the church still stands? In short, what is the most essential among all essentials? In answering this question, we stand as we fix every focus on its answer. The irony of trying to be relevant but failing to stand on this essential thing will always make the church irrelevant. The question goes beyond what the church should be, but who the head of the church is. Specifically, the answer to the most important of all questions is the very essential ground that makes the church what it is. Here's the vital question. Who is Jesus? This is the question of questions, meaning that all other questions are secondary compared to this. The true answer here reveals the essential of all essentials. And we find Jesus himself asking this very question to his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Quote, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? End quote. Matthew 16, 13 to 15, NASB. This was an important question, not out of nowhere, but an inquiry that measures the disciples' knowledge of who he was against the backdrop of who people say he is. Some would say he is a prophet in the likes of either the baptizer or Elijah or even Jeremiah himself. But take note every time Jesus or the Bible pauses a little and then begins with a but. It is a conjunction that expects an emphasis or a contrast of answers. The knowledge of who he is, the knowledge of who he was as asked, does not refer to head knowledge or informational data, but intimate relationship-based understanding. The point of Jesus is simple. Some are saying this and that, that they know me as this and that, but what about you? How do you know me? In the theological circles, this differentiation would lead us to the contrast between natural and supernatural knowledge, that knowing that points us to the revelation of God to mankind, either general or special revelation. This is really crucial as it draws us to a polarity, not merely in answers, but of eternal proportions. Stay put for a minute. Let me dissect this a little bit. Special revelation. 
I will not exhaustively differentiate natural and supernatural knowledge based on general versus the special revelation of God here. However, I might have to touch on some important aspects of special revelation in the context of one seeing who Christ is. The dividing line on everything is how a person understands the redemptive work of Jesus and who God is in the light of what theologians call special revelation. I am not saying that a person needs to undergo seminary training to learn all the deeply spiritual jargons academic theologians use. Savingly, a fisherman can know Jesus better than an academe. Basing it from the Gospels themselves, it did happen. Luke recorded this after Jesus' ascension that the people were amazed by how spirit-filled Peter and the disciples were, not because they were learned, but because of something else. Quote, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. End quote. Acts 4.13 ESV The question then, who do you say Jesus is, becomes a heaven-wrought revelation of His identity as Lord and His ministry as Savior. It's important therefore to note that this question of Jesus clearly pointed to God's gracious call towards His disciples, especially Peter. Take note that with the same activities of Jesus day in and day out, others saw Him as a madman, some as a good teacher, while some saw Him as the enemy of Rome or a blasphemer of Jehovah. See John chapter 10. But for those whom He specifically called out in a special saving grace, they saw Him as someone else. His true disciples saw Jesus as the Quote, Christ, the Son of the living God, end quote. And John the Beloved points out that only those who believe in this are those who have eternal life. John 20, 31. Although theology is very important, it doesn't have to be exhaustive at first. Yes, it will grow soon, but it begins with answering the right and essential questions. Knowing that Jesus is who he claims to be, a disciple's response goes beyond mere knowing by facts and truly surrendering in faith, supernatural revelation is God Himself graciously revealing who Jesus is to a person, thus opening salvation through faith. God needs to supernaturally reveal Himself through Christ because apart from it, God is incomprehensibly impossible to know, savingly speaking. Quote, the difference between unregenerate man's knowledge of God and regenerate man's knowledge is the difference between natural knowledge and the supernatural knowledge of God as revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ. Believers can truly know God through Jesus Christ as the mediator, whereas unbelievers can never truly know God apart from Christ's mediation. End quote. This is from Joel Beakey and Mark Jones, A Puritan Theology. Thus, God revealed who Christ was. Christ reveals who God is. This important question, who is Jesus, only has that right answer coming from above. It needs supernatural, grace-healed eyes to see such. Only those who see Christ as He is from heaven's perspective will see and savor who God is savingly. Here, Going back to the question of Jesus will lead us not merely to an out-of-the-blue question, but a revelation that God the Father has indeed worked in the lives of these nutcrackers, that slowly Peter and the others can confess that Jesus is who He really claims to be, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or in essence, supernatural revelation is God working through the Spirit and leading them to what John the Beloved writes as the goal of His writing. Quote, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name." End quote. John 20, 31, NASB. 
life happens in this fear of believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Quote, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. End quote. Matthew 16, 15-16 NASB. Jesus then pinpointed the difference between the people, those who said he was either Elijah or Jeremiah or that weird cousin who is feeding on locusts and honey, a difference between the people and his disciples. Upon Peter's confession, Jesus declared what's clear. It was special, supernatural revelation. It was from heaven. Quote, And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. End quote. Matthew 16, 17, NASB. This blessedness that Jesus dropped on Peter was found on God's revealing of himself in the eyes of this disciple. Something that is critical in the interpretation of this passage. Because what comes next becomes now a debatable issue, especially among Protestants and Roman Catholics. God revealed something to Peter, and the focus was the revelation, not the apostle himself. Take note of the verse that comes next. Quote, And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. End quote. Matthew 16, 17-18. NASB. Peter, the rock. The Greek writing here is a play of words. It is true that Peter, or Petros, is the rock, and Jesus declared that upon this rock, Petra, he will build his church. The famous interpretation of evangelicals is that Jesus did not mean Peter will be the foundation of the church, but his supernatural confession is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is true. However, listen to this, the Roman Catholic view of Peter being used by God as foundational in the building of the church has a grain of truth in it as Peter had an apostolic foundational duty where he binds here on earth what will be bound in heaven. This was, however, the apostolic mandate. As Jesus sends the twelve with Paul and James minus Judas to be his emissaries on earth while he was ascended to heaven, their job, the establishing of the church's rule of faith and living. And what was this? The New Testament scriptures. At the heart of God's special supernatural revelation is the apostolic duty to instruct the future believers after Peter and the apostles to stand on the sacred writ and nothing else. This is the stability of the ecclesia, Christ himself as revealed in and through the inspired word of God. The canon of scriptures was not invented by the church. It was simply discovered as coming from the inspired writings of the apostles or those approved by the apostles. The church is not Peter's church, but of the Christ in all scriptures, the Jesus who is Lord over all. The church we now have is not Peter's church, but Christ's own, through the foundational stability of what the apostles received from Christ himself. This is our assurance as we continue to stand where the apostles stood, where Peter stood. Jesus' promise remains the same. 
he will build his church. We will continue with the second part next session. For a moment, we will just simply cut this. But next time, we will finish what we mean when we say the indestructible church, the organism that survives everything. Thank you for subscribing, liking, and following our Facebook page, Cross Radio PH. In fact, this is not just a page for you to like or share, although we highly appreciate it. But Cross Radio is a ministry of God's Word to the world. Here we share regularly, if not daily, either a blog post, an article, a podcast entry from our resident students of the Word, specifically geared to reaching listeners who wants to hear God through His Word and by all means, by God's grace and for God's glory. Do it in a manner that rightly divides the truth and magnifies the name of Christ. Message me privately via Cross Radio for comments, suggestions, and prayer requests, or you can visit our blog site at www.crossph.wordpress.com. If you are a child of God, if you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, I challenge you to make this your ministry as well. Go and share this to family and friends and together listen to or read God's word together in faith and in joy. We are so excited on what will transpire soon, praying that indeed God will be magnified the most and people will enjoy their deepest through the Christocentric word. This is your quarantine companion, Cross Radio. Have a good and godly day.